Hello stars and welcome to the Stellify podcast where we help you live intentionally, maximize capacity and explore purpose. This is not your cliche self-help show. Here we preach what we practice that you can leverage in your own life. Get ready to move from regular to stellar. I am your host, Bralade. The Stellification begins. Hello stars, how are you today? Today I'm going to be talking about one of my favorite things in the whole wide world. (laughs) I almost want to say most favorite because, I mean, that's how I feel, even though it's not a right grammar construction, but it is one of my most favoritest things in the world. Books, whether audiobooks, whether ebooks, written, however it is, I, I just love books. The knowledge that they contain, the worlds that they open to you, the perspectives they give you, the paradigm shifts they allow you to have. So ultimately, of course, the values are yours, the experiences are yours, but this helps you see beyond yourself, you know, introduces worlds to you that you never even knew existed concepts in every formal way. I doubt that there can be any education or any learning without books. Of course, if you were able to meet Einstein (laughs) or you were able to meet Aristotle or Jesus, you probably would have known everything by yourself. But since we haven't been positioned or we didn't even exist in the time that some of these knowledge powerhouses existed, we didn't get to meet them or see them or learn from the horse's mouth per se. So what do we do? The next best thing is books. That's why books are an integral part of the Stellify podcast, because most of the Stellification comes from knowledge and knowledge that you apply. And how do you apply those pieces of knowledge? All of those things go into building that stellar version of you. So I thought long and hard, what book do I use to start these series? What is one of the most pivotal books that I've read that remains a running theme through my personal development journey? And I thought of the seven habits of highly successful people. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can go ahead and clap. That book is such a classic that you might ignore it. At your own detriment, of course. It is so ubiquitous. It's everywhere. You, Every store, every um, coach mentions it. Every major book references it. Even if it doesn't quote it directly, the principles stem from here. And I, I would say Stephen Covey, he totally transformed the personal development knowledge landscape by releasing this book. And of course, tens of millions of this book have been bought. It's been developed into courses. Basically, it's one of the best things that ever happened to (laughs) the effectiveness journey. And I'll be talking about it today and drawing from my own experiences and my own learnings from getting this book. I would like to hear from you. If you were inspired to read this book just by hearing this episode, that's something I'd like to hear. All right, so let's jump right in. What is the seven habits of highly effective people about? The first thing I noticed when I started reading this book was that it talked about the character principle versus 
personality principles. So personality versus character. You see so many books that tell you about how to position yourself, how to give a presentation, how to do this. And typically, without principles, without character, those things are just a facade. They're just a display of something on the outwards that isn't even inside. So character ethics goes for the character. It goes for your principles and your value system, telling you how to flesh out your values or the kind of values to imbibe, to match with your life's vision, basically, that will serve humanity and yourself better. So that's what character ethics are about. If you lean more on the personality versus character, you start to get into all the fake it till you make it, and it can be manipulative. It can help you for maybe a single instance, but for a continuing relationship, people will look at you and say, no, that doesn't run deep. They would see it for what it is, which is just self-serving or just grandstanding versus doing that inner work that gives you consistent results, gives you consistent actions in everything because ultimately you will do what is inside. So that's point number one. You always want to go for being versus doing. Anything that causes you to be more, any piece of information that causes you to be more is better than anything that causes you to just do more on the outwards without reaching inside. So ultimately, what we are communicates more effectively than what we do. And that's a direct quote from Stephen Covey. All right. So that's the first basis of this book. And the next one is something called the maturity continuum. It follows the life cycle of a human, I would guess. Talks about codependence, independence, and interdependence. So codependence is largely, think of the relationship between a child and a parent. That child depends on that parent for everything, really. And if you're hungry, you get food. If you're mad, they calm you down. If you're angry, you know, everything is really you focused what that person did to me. Now, independence is you mastering yourself, you becoming self-aware, self-sufficient, you know, all of these self things, <laughs> self-loved is you becoming I focused. I can choose, I can be, I can do. So it's you mastering yourself really. And that is another level of maturity. But the most impactful and mature <laughs> part of the maturity continuum is interdependence. After all, we live in a world where there are so many other people besides ourselves. That means anything you want to do typically involves someone else, any impactful thing. So that becomes the attitude of we. So think about your spouse. Think about your workplace, the team at your workplace. Think about even maybe your church. Think about anyone that you're involved in anything with. For that relationship to be effective, you would have to be interdependent. So going through all of these lets you see that this is a continuum. Codependent is not where you want to be because everything is too other focused. 
If your boss makes you happy, you're happy. If you receive negative feedback, you are upset. That defines your day. It defines your actions. It defines everything you do. You can see how that is a problem, right? (laughs) And then independence. You do not necessarily need feedback. You are self-directed from within. You know your values. So you are self-sufficient. You don't take feedback necessarily. You are aware of yourself. That is independence. But if you remain at the level of independence, what happens? You're unable to collaborate effectively because you are too self. (laughs) You, You haven't grown beyond self. And think about how that looks in a partnership. In a partnership, if you haven't grown beyond self, you could be called selfish or you wouldn't be able to synergize for better impact or better results. And we'll be talking about that in the actual seven habits. All right. (laughs) So the habits are broken down into two main buckets. The first one is the independence side. And that talks about the private victory. If you haven't gotten that private victory of yourself, you really cannot lend yourself to a productive interdependence relationship. So the other four habits get into the interdependence space. How do we collaborate and are more effective with our combined results? All right. So starting from the first one, be proactive. That's habit number one. Be proactive. Now, when you think of proactivity, let me define that for you. So imagine two concentric circles. That's a little one inside of an outer one. The inner one is called the circle of influence. And the outer one is called the circle of concern. Now, we all know things that are beyond our concern. Things like politics, things like the weather. You think of the economies of nation you may not have a direct impact on these things or contribution on these things. However, they can impact you. And then you go to circle of influence. So there are certain things you can influence. You can influence your mood. You can influence your health. You can influence your income. You can influence generally your relationships. Now, what happens when you let the circle of concern be your focus? You can't do anything about the weather. You can't do anything about COVID-19 by yourself. You can only take care of your own self. You can't impact the crime rate in the country, but you can keep yourself protected and secure. You can't impact the training budget of your department if you're not in leadership. However, you can choose to develop yourself regardless. So being proactive encourages you to focus on and expand your sphere of influence versus living outside and trying to control, you know, the president of the country, focusing on things that you really cannot change. So what do you do with those things that are outside of your circle of concern? You accept them as they are and you learn to live with them or not let them impact you. So that's number one, being proactive, taking charge. The attitude of that is I can choose. I can determine how this affects me. Then habit number two is begin with the end in mind. 
You know, these days, a lot of people are just in the habit of do, 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 do. Let's just keep doing. <laughs> so Stephen likened it to having a ladder that's propped against a building. All you know is you want to get to the top of that ladder. So you spend your whole day, your whole life, really, in some cases, climbing up, trying your best, seeing how do I get to the next rung, And you get all the way to the top and you realize that this has been leaning against the wrong building the whole time. So it wasn't just about the next step to take or how to get to the top. It was about what top you were going to. Beginning with the end in mind involves drawing up your personal mission and statement. You know, looking in words, looking into your values to say, what do I want to be? What do I want to do? What are the principles and values that I have that are determining what I want to be and do. So looking at what you want to be, you want to focus on your character. What traits do you want to develop? What you want to do, you want to think of your contributions and achievements. And all of these are based on your principles and values. In addition, if you have no idea, some people are like, I don't really know. What is my purpose in life? What do I want to do? Just imagine, as morbid as this sounds, imagine your funeral, and what eulogy they're telling about you, what do you want it to say largely? So yeah, that's your personal mission and statement. And it doesn't have to be this huge drawn out thing. It can be, I want to make my world better. It can be, I want to impact as many children as possible because of these values I have. It might be, I want to transform the educational system. It might be, I want to inspire faith and as many people. So you get to decide that. It'll be the basis for you climbing up that ladder. Now that you have documented that end that you see in sight, that purpose, the third habit is put first things first. So we all are so busy. We actually have a culture of crazy busy. And sometimes people mistake being busy for achieving or accomplishing but that couldn't be further from the truth, except you are directed from within. So putting first things first involves charting and planning your day, planning your week, and then planning your months and your life from there. So imagine a four-quadrant box along the continuum of important and urgent. So things that are urgent and important, those are things that you want to do right now. You want to manage those things because they're both urgent and important. Things that are urgent and not important, we all have those things, right? Some administrative work, some things you're like, why am I filling this form? I don't want to. (laughs) Things like that. Those are dull tasks. So you should look for how to delegate those. Find someone for whom that matters. There's some people who that might be both important and urgent. So Outsource some of these things. Those are the urgent but not important things. Then the not urgent, not important. That's like binging Netflix, (laughs) you know, gossiping, gisting, some mundane things, you know. What do you do with those things? Turn them down. Things that you, that don't contribute to your life's purpose. 
turn them down or limit them to a large extent because they're pointless and they're time wasting. They don't contribute to your ultimate goal. Now I saved the best quadrant for last. It is important, but not urgent. You know that degree you've been planning to get for a while now. You know how you say, I want to date my spouse a little bit more so that, you know, we can have a fresher relationship or spending time with my kids or my parents or exercising. It's really important, but it's not urgent. What do you do with those? You make time. It is useful and valuable work. That is where your impact is. You don't want to ignore that. I know the others might try to take most of that time, but do your best to craft out time for that. Include it in your weekly planning and ensure that you do some of these things that help to drive your purpose further. So that is the independence segment of it. The first three talk about your personal control and your self-mastery. The last four habits talk about interdependence. So we're always in a team of sorts. How do we work with them? What habits do we apply? What practices do we preach and apply in our lives so that we can be effective? So the fourth one, habit number four, is think win-win. Think win-win. It is possible for you and your partner in every ramification to win. It is possible. How do you get to win-win? Some people go into relationships where they win-lose. It's either that person is winning and I'm losing or I'm winning and they're losing. The next one is compromise. It's like, okay, we both don't get what we want. I have to let go of something. You have to let go of something. But sometimes compromise is not good. If you think compromise is good, Think about that case, that famous case that King Solomon judged, where the two women, (laughs) one said, let us divide this baby. Now, who wins in that circumstance? No one. So sometimes compromise is not the best. Now, the highest one is the win-win. It is possible for both of you to get what you want or what your highest objective and purpose is. So how do you win-win? Put yourself in the other's shoes. You can identify the key issues and the objective because sometimes what we want isn't necessarily the solution to the issue. Identify outcomes that are mutually beneficial. We can both win here. So you can think up new options as well. And as we get into the other two habits, the other three habits left, you will see more how to achieve win-win. Habit number five. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. How many of us just talk, 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 and talk? We just want to be heard. We say, you don't understand me. (laughs) How many relationships? How many marriages? How many parent-children relationships? How many workplace relationships have been a victim of Seeking first to be understood. No, we should first of all seek to understand before we are understood. So how do you listen in that situation? You understand first, you answer, you respond, you validate the other person before you give your own point of view. So you think of the emotions 
of the information. Now, whenever you hear something, there is information behind that. You validate that information. If someone says, oh, the rain is falling. I'll never be able to get this done. Don't say, you promised to do this. You have to do this now. You know what I mean, right? So you acknowledge those concerns. You say, I see how it is you feel this way. What can help make it better? You know, you seek to understand what are those feelings I'm hearing? Because it's not really about the rain. There's something else going on there. And that way you start to hear people for what they're really saying. Empathy is the value that is related to seeking first to understand. Think of all the problems we would avoid if we just do that. Now, the sixth one is synergize. Synergize. And this is what helps you realize that compromise is not necessarily the way. One plus one is not always equal to two. In compromise, one plus one can be equal to two or even 1.5 because remember, you're reducing each person's expectation. But in synergy, the whole is more than the sum of its parts. So one plus one can be equal to three or even 10. Why? Because you get into a situation and you find what you both want, but you decide to subject it to a higher objective. So what are some conditions for synergy? The absence of competition. If you're talking, working with a partner and you both aren't looking at yourself as competitors or rivals, you can come to a place where you both win. What else do you have to put in place? Recognize the limit of your own understanding and the insufficiency of your experience. So that way you can take in what the other person has to offer, you know? Respect and also value your differences, but think how they can contribute to an ultimate goal. All right, now that we've talked about results and goals, the seventh one talks about sharpening the saw, sharpening the saw. And this encompasses independence and interdependence. You know, the stories of a man who was using a saw to cut down a tree and the saw was not sharp. And they said, why don't you stop and sharpen the saw? And he said, I don't have time to stop and sharpen the saw. This tree has to come down. Well, think about it. If he took maybe one hour to sharpen the saw and came back, he probably would cut the tree in half the time. How many times do we neglect ourselves, neglect our personal development, neglect our relationships, our mental health, our spiritual renewal, and even physical fitness to do a task or to keep doing and doing and doing? What happens? The saw gets blunted every time you do, every time you accomplish, every time you're achieving. What is happening to the saw? It's doing its work, but the sharpness is being reduced. So that constant renewal and rejuvenation is necessary to keep you in tip-top position so that you're always being mastered. You are mastering yourself and you're always contributing to that team or interdependence relationship that you have. Largely, these are the major points I got from seven habits of highly effective people. I remember before I read this book, I used to say things like, 
I have to do this. I have to do that. No, you don't have to. No, I didn't have to. I get to do these things. So I don't say I have to take my child to school. Oh my goodness, they're giving us so much work to do. No, I say I get to teach my child. Just by that, making that statement, what are you doing? You're telling yourself that I can influence this. First of all, what happens, even if you don't do it, you can face the consequence. So I have to remove that from your vocabulary. I choose to. You are in control of you. Whatever you don't allow will not be allowed. Whatever you refuse is refused. And you could just say, I know COVID-19 is raging out there, but I refuse to fear. I refuse to be inordinately concerned and obsessed with it. I'm going to focus on things I can control. If there's a way for me to make people safer, I'm going to do it. If there's a way for me to make this time productive, even though I may be out of a job or I may be working from home or the kids are home, what can I do to make this better for me and for them? And when you get into these habits, your proactivity begins to shine through. So yeah, those are some lessons that I've learned And I believe that most of the other books I'll be sharing through this year, I can tie them back to one of these habits. I can tie so many things back to this foundation of effectiveness. So in your life, choose to be a more effective person. Don't go for efficiency necessarily. Go for effectiveness. The doing that ties back to your values. We're not machines. We are a breath of God here on the earth. We're here to fulfill a specific mission and purpose. And I believe that as you hone into your effectiveness, your stellification will be expedited and it will be more robust in every facet of your life. So continue living your stellar lives till we read the next book for next month. What ideas do you have? You want to share some? (laughs) Go ahead and shoot me an email or engage with us on our social media platforms. Till I see you next month, talk to you later. I trust you have been elevated and empowered with insights from today's episode. Thank you for subscribing and reviewing the Stellify podcast. Let's continue the conversation on Instagram and Facebook at Stellify with Bralade, or you could check me out at my website, www.bralade.com. Have a great week. The stellification continues.